Welcome back, movie lovers. This is Movies with Kane and Tal. This is an episode we we recorded a while back, um, probably quite early on in the piece. But I kept a few in case of emergency. And uh, we are in a case of emergencies because we have no new episodes recorded. So I've kept this one in the backlogs for a while. It's a great episode. I didn't quite get these films, but in his way, as he always does, Kane has brought me around to his side and uh, helped me understand these a little bit better than I probably would have if I'd have just watched them without discussing with him. So anyway, I hope you enjoy it as well. I hope you're all having a fantastic February, wherever you are, and we'll see you next week with a new episode. Well, good afternoon, Kane. And here we are. How are you? Oh, I'm anxious to talk about these, so... <laughs> are you? I, I really am. Really? Oh, God. Okay, would you, would you like to let everybody know what we're talking about? All right, so we're talking about Iron Sky, one of the crackiest movies I managed to catch in cinemas for the entire 2010s. Yeah, right. So you saw the first one at the cinema? Yeah, I saw the first one at the cinema. I don't even know. I'm pretty sure the sequel, which we'll also be talking about, I'm not sure if that was released in cinemas or anything, but I know for a fact that the first one was because I am not forgetting that in a hurry. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Only moments ago, New York has come under attack. Witnesses claim to have seen hundreds of UFOs. It's opening fire! from the moon. <laughs> That's too much. One word from me, and the invasion from the moon begins. Invasion? Y'all must be tripping. Now my question is, what do y'all plan to do about it? Because we just happen to have a little something up our own sleeve. All presidents who start a war in their first term get re-elected. All right, well, I'll let you lead off then. Okay. Tell me what, first of all, tell me what, what made you want to go and see it at the cinema. Well, th- this was, like, around the start of when I was, like, um, like, l- like trying to see as many movies at the okay. cinema as I could and, like, listing them off and all this other stuff. And I just happened to catch Iron Sky at the cinema. And the whole experience watching it, and, and honestly in re-watching it, because I re-watched it for this podcast, it was just a massive ball of... This is so much fun, and I'm genuinely shocked that half of this shit even made it into cinemas. Yeah, I, 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 I totally feel yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right, so let's, for, for those who aren't initiated, let's get into the yeah. plot of this thing. Yes. So after World War Two, the Nazis <laughs> oh fled Earth of course. and constructed their own base on the dark side of the moon. Cut to 2018, where they have all the resources needed to launch a full-scale invasion of Earth, where they meet up with the U.S. President, Sarah Palin lookalike. 
Yeah, that was even in 2012. That was dated. <laughs> like even in 2012, that was just like, oh, really? Um, and that and yeah, the the weirdness starts with that, and then it gets into more um, weirdness. Not Palin's attempts at re-election, which I'm I'm, I'm willing to bet that them thinking that 2018 is a re-election year might be because the uh. filmmakers of this aren't American. No. Could be the case, as well as latching onto Sarah Palin of all the politicians out there. So she decides to hire a black male model mm. to go to the moon for the first time in years. He gets kidnapped by the Nazis and <laughs> albinized. He, he gets turned into a white guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's... This is what I'm talking about in regards to I can't believe this yeah. shit made the cinemas because... Like aside from stuff like Epic Movie, where the entire thing is completely embarrassing, mm. I cannot recall a time when I saw a film make it a central plot point yeah, that it's... you've got an African American in whiteface. Yes, I. I have to. <laughs> I, I, I had a very. Um... <clears throat> Like, I didn't even, I, I think for me that at that point, the movie just went, I just couldn't do it from there. You I was like, out. yeah, I pretty much just went, <laughs> no, no, uh, no, no, I'm not, not yeah. um, coping with this at all. And uh, then he becomes homeless. Oh, uh, 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 yeah, he becomes a crazed white hobo. He becomes a crazed hobo <laughs> who starts ranting about the Nazis' plans to invade the Earth from the moon, which. Admittedly, does make him sound like the kind of person who would come up with a story like this in the first place. True. Now, now, where it gets like really weird for me is because even though it is incredibly kitschy in all respect, it's almost like sideways steampunk in the way that the Nazi base is depicted, along with all the other stuff to do with The Great Dictator, the world's greatest short film. <laughs> that was like the <laughs> best detail ever because it actually adds so much to it. That's true. And the inclusion of Sarah Palin. It is frankly terrifying how prescient the film was because, like, really think about it. A US presidential candidate banking heavily on fascist iconography, basically creating their own boogeyman just to smack it down. Mm -hmm. 2016, anyone? Mm -hmm. And I mean that on both sides. I mean, in regards to, you know, the Dems and Hillary Clinton, you know, banking on just like, oh, Trump's such a loser. No one's going to win. No one's going to elect him. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Trump was only gaining ground. He was getting in with, you know, as being endorsed by the Ku Klux Klan, mm. like the like the more heavily racist areas of the Conservative Party were banking on him. And then, of course, there was the Unite the Right fiasco, which pretty much blew out all pretenses and make America racist again. <laughs> it was pretty... It, yeah, like, it is really weird watching this movie in hindsight because for as whacked out as it is in so many areas, it is really damn smart when it comes to actual political thinking. So who did make it? Was it the Finnish? Um, I believe so. Some, um, yeah, it, it was European-based mm -hmm. for the most part, and it did have some crowdfunding put into it and even some backing over here in Australia. They did most of the studio shots here in Australia. Is Probably the reason why I got a, a theatrical release over here because it's like, hey, uh -huh. local product. Yeah, right. As fucked up as it is. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And yeah, and then there's also the bit where it's like in the massive. It gets to a point where there's this big space armada fight mm. where like the Americans, the Russians, and the Aussies send in their weaponized mm. spaceships to fight mm. the Nazis. It's this weirdly galvanizing moment of just like banding together. It's like World War Two in space. <laughs> It's it's so much bloody fun. And especially Did you think so? I don't know. I don't know why I couldn't quite... I'm not sure if it was the budget or the acting or something just didn't... The, acting, the acting was wonky. Yeah. I will admit. The Wonky's acting, a good word. The, the, the acting was wonky. But I think that's more to do with the dialogue than the actual acting, because the dialogue in this thing is really bizarre in a lot of areas. It's kind of grating. Up to and including pretty much doing a shot-for-shot shot remake of the downfall meme. You know, the one where it's like Hitler just yelling at everyone yeah. with like subtitles? Yeah. It was it was so point to point the same, right down to the shaking as she took off her glasses. That's from the original movie. Right. It's like and it and it's something that they're proud of because they even banked on that same meme for advertising in the sequel, which again we will get to. Yeah, yeah. Which, okay. which was it's which was somehow even weirder than anything in the movie, but we'll get to that. <laughs> it's. Just... But do you think? Do you think? I just feel like um, it was one of those examples of great premise um, could have been very funny could have been yeah. very powerful, just wasn't quite pulled off perhaps. The, the, the team was a little bit weak behind whatever the writing was. Uh, I, I, I can kind of see that, but, it, well, maybe it's because, like, I'm just going to speculate here. What you're talking about here in terms of, like, you know, emotional power and, like, proper, mm. like, wit to it, it sounds more prestige than this film really is because it is, at its core, a B-movie. And as as far as, like, this side of cinema, like, you know, the the sci-fi, really high-concept stuff, as far as I'm concerned, the nuttier it is, the better. Okay. I just didn't find it funny. I can kind of get that, because the jokes are, well, aside from, like, the Nazi-centric jokes, as far as, you know, um, everyone, like, worshipping... Um, Charlie Chaplin's betrayal of Hitler, and then the woman and the um, and the male model go to the cinemas and watch the full version. And she's like, oh, yeah. "I've been told a lie." It's like it's like, especially since like, and mainly this is because um, this is probably why the like lack because I do agree with you in terms of the humor. It's not as funny as it could have been, but the observations it makes in regards to like politics on both sides of the mm. fence. Mm. Like, really rang through for me. Especially that scene where she, like, watched The Great Dictator in full, because the idea of segmenting pieces of popular culture and emphasizing minor points to make a bigger point for themselves, mm. the right has been doing that for decades. Yeah. You've got The Matrix, you've got Fight Club, you've got bloody They Live, which mm. is explicitly anti Reagan, and yet they try and turn it into a massive, you know, Zionist conspiracy thing. Mm, mm. It's like, they love doing shit like this. And for those who want to slit airs and go, oh, the right isn't fascist and all this other stuff, if they're going to keep on <laughs> complaining about bloody socialism and insisting that Hitler is a socialist and therefore left, 
kindly get fucked at complaining <laughs> about that. You've lost your chance. <laughs> I'm sorry. When, when films are actively about political subjects, you get what you pay for or not pay for. If it's if it's political, I'm getting fucking political. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I guess, I guess, um, I don't know. I just, like, I got all that, but it just didn't really make me go, oh, yeah, fuck, that's so, like, poignant or funny or clever. I was just kind of a bit too... Maybe maybe I was in a bad mood. Maybe I was in the right mood for it. Maybe yeah, there's something but, but, there that that's just... But that is possible because, like, not every day is the right day to indulge in what is quite ostensibly insane. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. smart but insane. Yeah, yeah. And, well, I, I guess where I'm coming from with it is that, like, aside like aside from how resonant the political commentary is and the mm. fact that the plot is as weird as it is, which, mm. on, especially on the big screen, was like, yes. <laughs> um, I think it's the fact, I, I think it is getting back to what I said before in regards to, like, you know, I'm surprised how the ship made it in. Mm. It is, and it remains, as far as the 2010s are concerned, one of the ballsiest movies to be to get to get a proper release because you actually look at the specifics of this thing, and you can imagine every single major studio getting squeamish about it. Hell, they're getting yes. squeamish about it now with the whole yeah. thing involving Jojo Rabbit, Taika yeah. Waititi's new release, where they're worried that portraying Hitler on screen and making fun of him is going to offend their core fan base. Mm. Like, I know there's the whole thing about Walt Disney possibly being an anti-Semite, but mm. you didn't have to be so on the nose about that. <laughs> it's just, like, yeah. stuff, like, stuff like that. And especially yeah. since, like, it feels like a lot of the major releases, for the most part, are playing it relatively safe, even mm. today. The fact that something like for that, sure. For sure. like, properly got out there, properly got funding, even if some of it was crowdfunded... Mm. And being able to say the shit that it said, especially mm. the time, it, you know, when it came out mm. in the middle of the Obama era, mm. I have an enormous amount of respect for the guys doing that. Like, like big up to the guys who made Star Wreck, genuinely. Because <laughs> they, yeah, that's how they got their start, like, taking the piss out of Star Trek. Right. Okay. And you can kind of tell that. Oh, yeah. I saw a lot of um, Star Wars kind of. Um, yeah. And, and, it. and, just, and even beyond, like, the bombast of the whole thing. Yeah, the writing is a bit off. The actual story itself isn't as cutting as it could have been, even though I think it's pretty damn razor sharp, and in places at least. Yeah, okay. But the acting, considering what they have to work with, up to and including Udo Kia, everyone's favourite crazy German... <laughs> Like that's his typecast. If you need, yeah. if you need someone who's crazy and comes from Eastern Europe, you get him. I you either get him or you get um, uh, Peter Stormare. Yeah, right. I just and, 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 and like the acting works with what they're given. The effects work, especially like all the CGI stuff to do with the spaceships. Mm -hmm. That all that held up really damn well. It like did... six, seven years later, it looked look. It looked pretty good, and I guess. Um... I think because it because of the albanization is that even a fucking word? Well, it's the... what they use, so <laughs> right. let's just go with it. I'm a guy, and I like I just from there I kind of I think I probably switched off a little bit, and then I guess 
And I know that they were trying to make a point, but all the racial stereotypes just kind of grated against me. I, just, I, I can definitely understand that. I just think it's, you could have, like, you, you, it's possible to write something, write a commentary, a political commentary, and not have to do that. Um, maybe I'm asking too much of or, my films. Well, admittedly, <laughs> right? there are films that can do that. I mean, um, what was it, Death of Stalin last year? If you want, like, proper really intelligent, really well-delivered, like, bang-the-nail-on-the-head political See, commentary. I fucking loved that. Like, that is where you go that's for That's what I mean. I guess but, that's what but, I... But, but if you want something a bit more, like... But uh, why? Why Why do that? Why, like, what's the point? What's What was the point? Well, b- bear in mind that B-movies aren't, well... You could maybe make the argument that they're apolitical, but when you include people like <laughs> Yoshihiro Nishimura and John Carpenter and, you know, guys like that, guys who worked in, like, very genre-heavy stuff, who mm. made really goofy movies. Like, I brought up They Live Before, mm. which has one of the weirdest-slash-longest fight scenes I think I've ever seen in a movie. Right. And yet it, it had that, and yet it's still, like, hit the nail on the head in regards to, like, you know, capitalism and commercialism mm. and just, yeah. you, know, o- you know, obey the norm. And that that is honestly where like political commentary can honestly be at its strongest when it's paired with like really bizarre shit. Yeah. Like with, um, sorry to bother you, which came out last year. It, it, um, a, a film all about, um, it's a film where the, um, uh, where, um, um, a black guy goes to a call center and he starts to become, um, more successful because he puts on a white affectation. Okay. He sounds like a white guy. Right. And then it kind of goes from there into bits about um, indentured servitude mm-hmm. and capitalism and ha- and half horse, half man workforce. It's fucking okay. it's fucking weird. <laughs> but, right. but at the same time, considering like really heavy political commentary tends to be like incredibly thick and incredibly difficult to deal with, especially if you mm. align really heavily with one side or the other that may be under the firing line. Mm-hmm. Adding in a little bit of weird, silly, or even just bug fucking sane mm. can help you know, you know, it's a bit of grease to let the medicine go down in its own way. Right, I see. And, and there's also the fact that as far as, like, strict political commentary, that is part of it, but there's also the very, like, kitschy, silly, just fun on display as well. Like, like it may be taking itself seriously as far as, like, you know, pointing the finger at Nazis and so on, but considering it, it willingly takes the piss out of everyone on both sides, it really is, well, it's kind of aloof in its own way. It's, like, serious yet aloof. In yeah, its own okay. way. Okay. But, but at the same time, I can totally get pretty much everyone else on Earth not liking this film as much as I do because it is, by its design, a very niche production. Yeah. This is something that's meant to cultivate its own cult fan base, okay. which, thankfully, in a way, it did with the sequel. Ready to talk about the sequel? Yeah, well, that's perfect. Let's Let's cut to the trailer.
The world as we know it ended in 2018. The war between the Earth and the Moon Nazis had led to all-out nuclear destruction. The last survivors of the human race made their refuge on the dark side of the moon. The exiled remnants of humankind made their new home in the former Nazi base. The moon, Führer? <laughs> well, I hope it's not what I think. Okay, cut to seven years later, our time, and probably about 20 years in film time. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we yeah. have somehow gone even more insane than Nazis on the dark side of the moon because now... <laughs> I don't even know where to start. We have... <laughs> all right, so not only are the Nazis, you know, space Nazis, mm -hmm. they are also space lizard Nazis. Aliens? Go, are they aliens? Well, uh, from what I can tell, yeah, and there is an explanation for why that's in there specifically. Okay. They have that. Mm -hmm. They have the idea of, you know, these you know space lizards cultivating humanity, mm -hmm. like, you know, the uh, kind of... X-Files in its own way. Mm -hmm. And then we have the hollow center of the Earth, mm -hmm. where it's like this big Dinotopia landscape. And, and the Holy Grail. The Holy Grail. <laughs> and this is what pretty much like solidified what Iron Sky is really going for. Like, yeah, it does fixate a lot on Nazism and fascist iconography, but at the end of the day, that's just like something they stopped along the way to their bigger point, which is basically any and every conspiracy theory out there. Because the whole, like, the, you know, reptilian overlord thing, the hollow earth thing, the holy grail, and... They packed a lot in there. Yeah. That was, and I mean, if you haven't seen this film, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen this film, this is going to be very difficult to follow because it was difficult to follow watching it. <laughs> yeah, it's just, and, and this is what I mean about like the crackier side of, you know, genre fiction. Iron Sky is weird, but you can get your head around it if, you know, you're in the right mind space for it. Iron Sky The Coming Race is a film where just the simple act of explaining what's on screen makes you sound yeah. like a crazy conspiracy-obsessed <laughs> hobo. Exactly, exactly. But oddly enough, I actually quite enjoyed this film. I did too. And, I, and more than much more than the first one. I still didn't laugh until the very, very last couple of scenes and maybe by that point the characters... With the red shirt... Yeah, all, all, all that. He, I, I thought Malcolm was fantastic. Yeah. The acting was much better. The acting was much better, which is surprising, considering one of the actors that appears in this thing. Who? All right, so among the many other bizarre things happening in this thing, up to and including ra um, Nazis riding dinosaurs. Best scene, by the way. We, <laughs> we have... The Church of Apple. That was quite funny. The, uh... Jobsism? A, a religion <laughs> based around the doctrine of Steve Jobs, <laughs> headed by Tom Green. Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> like, this is how weird the film is. I knew I was getting into weird shit just from the premise alone, looking yeah. at it on iTunes. But as soon as I saw, like, wait, he looks familiar. It, <laughs> Hang on Daddy, would you like some sausage? <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> and, it, <coughs> and it really says something when 
even he manages to work in this scene. Like, his, like his, well, he, didn't, he didn't really um, get out of that sort of weird. As one known as one known as his character is, and admittedly, mileage is really going to vary as far as how much you find poking at Zuckerberg and Jobs and all these other technocrats. You know how funny that's going to be. Me personally, Cannibal Space Lizard Steve Jobs is a thing I need in my life, quite frankly. And yes, that happens. Um, and it happens around what I'm going to call the Mirror Universe Last Supper. Because oh, yeah. Sarah Palin returns and is one of the space lizards because of, of course. fucking course she is. <laughs> and all these other leaders, including the Pope and Osama bin Laden, uh-huh. which one well, of the few times when the political commentary in the sequel matches the original and where they went, like, you believe in the same thing, but you're still fighting each other. Like, as far We're as, like, cutting here. down the divisions, <laughs> it worked. And that is actually quite interesting as far as, like, it taking shots at everyone because what I mentioned before in regards to the marketing... Mm. They did the downfall thing again, but this time they did it with a Donald Trump parody. Okay. And, yeah, it's like, in the grand scheme of things, it was kind of weak. But then again, they did it specifically to make it a point of saying, we're not going to include Trump in the film itself. Because, quite frankly, that would have been too easy and too distracting. And yet, looking at the the, the YouTube comments below it, I know, it's a terrible idea to ever look (laughs) in that section. There are all these people going like, well, you're alienating half of your audience. I'm like, yeah, because if there's one thing the first film was, it's partisan. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and, and, and honestly, that was the better move because if it, like, aside from, you know, a bit of, um, you know, mimicking Make America Great Again in the opening song, which I have to admit that was an impressive way of opening. Like, that great looked song. and sounded really nice. What a great song. It looked and sounded a lot nicer than the rest of the film, honestly, because it's just like, how to put it, whereas the first film was only partially crowdfunded, this one was all crowdfunded. So right. You can kind of tell, though, because right. the set design, it still maintains that sort of, like, um, slightly removed from steampunk aesthetic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But as far as, like, the CG, especially when we actually get to the center of the Earth, mm, bit conspicuous. <laughs> and it's really weird that I can be distracted while watching Nazis ride dinosaurs, but that's the effect we get, unfortunately. <laughs> it's just stuff like that. And Speaking of which, I just want to point out there that, that when Hitler rides into the space station on the T-Rex. That was the first time in both the films that I that I went, okay, I'm actually really enjoying this. <laughs> <laughs> actually quite fucking yeah. funny. Yeah. Um, and then when he um, falls off, or ba- virtually she kicks the T-Rex in the nose, and the T-Rex falls down to the ground and he stands up to hurl some insult at her, and then when the thing fell out of the sky and landed on his head, that was the first time I laughed <laughs> in the whole two films, and it was like yeah. the last 20 minutes. It, it, anyway. It, it, it's basically like the same invisible-style conspiracy fiction, like we're going to treat every single conspiracy you've ever heard of as fact and move from there. Mm. But it gives even less of a fuck in the process. Like, <laughs> it really is banking a rule of weird. And as you demonstrated, it worked. It did. And, and, it and, did. And, and I have to admit, I really did get a kick out of um, 
the the Star Trek running gag where mm. the guy in the red shirt is the one guy who somehow is never able to get to be killed. <laughs> so good. It, 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 it's like his whole, his whole storyline. I actually really enjoyed. Yes, yeah, yeah, again, it very niche to actually yeah. get to actually like properly understand how how great that joke is. Yeah, but. At the same time, again, it's meant to appeal to a cult audience because it's all about cult shit, pretty much. And and potentially, um, this time, this second film, I was like, okay, so this is really also aimed at my age group, which the, in the first one I didn't kind of feel. I thought maybe I was a little bit too old for it, but when they brought out the Nokia 3110. Oh, <laughs> that was amazing. I was cracking up. I was like, okay. I, I mean, like, after the first film made such <laughs> a point of, of, like, <laughs> highlighting, you know, sm- you know, smart computing and, you know, iPads and <laughs> stuff and the massive machinery for their dreadnought just draining the batteries out of an iPad. <laughs> now that's realistic, oddly enough. Um, and then getting into like the durability of the Nokia thirty one. When he goes when he goes he just he just shrugs and he goes, survived a new nuclear holocaust. Like literally I was yeah. like Yeah, we know it will. We all know it will. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think on like the Nokia thirty thirty eight hundred, I think, was my first ever mobile phone and I'm like I lost count of how many times it um, realistically should have been destroyed. I dropped just one out of those. basic use, and yet I dropped one of the ones in the film that you turn off the back of a motorbike, turned around, went back, found it in pieces on the side of the road, put it all back together. Worked perfectly. Yeah. Could you imagine doing that to an iPhone? So, so we can officially <laughs> confirm that there are three things that will survive the nuclear holocaust. Mm-hmm. Emphasis on holocaust. Cockroaches, mm-hmm. the Nokia 3100, <laughs> and Keith Richards. We can confirm that right here and now. Nothing can destroy any of them. Oh. Uh, and, and, so which one did you like better? Um, well, they both kind of appeal to different things for me. Like, with the yeah, first right. one, it's like the amount of respect it garners for really going out there, especially for something that, again, did make it into the make mm-hmm, theatrical mm-hmm, release, where... Mm-hmm. I, I keep getting the feeling that nowadays they'll put on literally anything that's mildly family friendly. Mm. It's it's kind of sad, mm. really. Whereas the second one, it, it appeals to the same side of me that loves stuff like Kuzo or Vampire Girl versus Frankenstein Girl or Hell Driver. Okay, like I really, have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> like the stuff where it's like insane, piled on insane, piled on insane, <laughs> until you're just lost in the euphoria of it all, and it's just like Ooh. I have no idea what's going on, and I do not give a fuck. <laughs> but what I find really interesting about the second movie is that it easily could have like fallen short of the bonkers barrier as far as like actually meeting the first one, and the way it did it was indulging in a little bit of self-parody because here's the thing. Have you ever heard of The Asylum? No. All right, it's a film production studio in the loosest sense of the term who specialise in mockbusters. Like, basically, they take whatever big movies out of the cinemas Uh, and they make a similarly named knockoff. Like, these are the people who made... Transmorphers, Alien versus Hunter, (laughs) The Da Vinci Treasure, stuff like that. And they made one for Iron Sky. What? But they made it, and I'm not kidding here, it was called Nazis at the Center of the Earth. The sequel took cues from a ripoff. 
Oh my god! It's even more insane once you actually get into the specifics of the thing. This is yeah. why I love the sequel. Because <laughs> it's able to just cobble together all these stupid things up to and including taking a cue from the pages of the fucking asylum and actually making it work. Wow. I'm... Wow. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) That's... Wow. Yeah, it's just... And like I said, I love it when... Like, I, I like my speculative fiction to be as kooky as possible. Oh, it's definitely kooky. And, again, the fact that, you know, Aussie film production was part of the process of making it. It's a bit of, honestly, it's a bit of local pride for me. It's, it's like, same feeling I had when um, Aussie director Julius Avery came out with Overlord last year, yeah, which right. was also a pretty whacked out bit of Nazi science fiction horror. Like, mm. it is one of the most graphic things I saw all year because of how bloody and just, it deals in, Nazi scientific experiments and it pulls oh. no punches. Oh, okay. It's oh. y- yeah, you thought albinism was okay. insane. It's like this is like next level shit. Okay, I might ask you that. Yeah, but but it's, just, it's it's stuff like that, and especially since like that's part of why I love speculative fiction so much because it can go into areas no other genre umbrella can really go into. Well, that's true. And I love looking at stuff like this. I love looking at the most batshit insane things, <laughs> the stuff that could only come about by ingesting so many chemicals you could kill a small <laughs> elephant. Or possibly you might need that much to properly enjoy it because it does require a certain wavelength. Might have helped, yeah. <laughs> I think I was at the end of a long night of put, you know feeding the kids and putting the kids to bed and I sat down to the first one and just went, nah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't working for I, me. And, yeah, and I love the first one. I, I have to admit, I do think, I do like the first one slightly more okay. as far as, like, the production values being a lot more solid, the mm. political commentary being a lot more thorough and consistent. Mm, mm. And, well, there's also the initial shock of me actually seeing it in the cinema as well. True. yeah. And maybe it's because I've seen it all than once, as I said, whereas well, the second one I've only seen once. Yeah, sometimes you get something else out of it the second yeah. round. Although, like, with how much it portrays on the surface, it's not exactly a movie that needs a second viewing Don't to properly to get entirely. Well, like, I totally advise doing so just for the fun of it. <laughs> but I won't be. <laughs> this isn't something like hereditary or the Babadook where it actually took me more than one viewing to probably get my head around. You watched the Babadook twice? I couldn't even get through it the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first time I was a bit iffy on it and then I rewatched it and I'm like, holy shit, I did not give this nearly enough credit. Yeah, right. Kind of thing. But yeah, this isn't that. This isn't that. <laughs> okay. This isn't this isn't all that heady. This is actually like really trashy in its own way, but like yeah. a fun B movie kind of trashy. Yeah. Yeah, if you like that kind of thing. And honestly, I know we do the usual, like, spectrum thing to rank them, but what could we possibly use to quantify this stuff? Well, it's, yeah, it's difficult when you're looking at political leaders riding dinosaurs. It's hard to come up with anything that's going to give that any kind of credibility. Yeah, it's just like, how to put it? There are some films where the notion of you need to turn your brain off to enjoy it, like not mm, actively mm, think about it, mm. is kind of a put down of the film itself. Mm. Whereas with this, 
it is precisely the tone it was going for. It, it, like, for those who do think more about it, the political commentary in both films are kind of startlingly accurate, <laughs> but they're not required to get the full effect of watching Nazis on dinosaurs roaming the center of the earth in search of the Holy Grail. <laughs> you see what I mean about just explaining shit and it's yeah. sounding like I'm insane? Yep. That's the, the, that's what I call the, um, the genre weird test. How far you can get into a movie. <laughs> just explaining what's going on. Not even like extrapolating it, but no, just explaining no. what's happening on screen. Yeah. Before it sounds like the the men in white coats are going to come in. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm just going to go. I really didn't enjoy the first one, and the second one was mildly entertaining. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can totally get that reaction because, uh, like I said, I can totally understand if no one else likes this thing because it is very niche. It is very... B-movie. It is very bizarre, like, in its mere existence, let alone the specifics of the actual thing. And considering that they're apparently planning on making more movies, including one involving everyone's favourite conspiracy theory, the Illuminatus. Now that I want to see. <laughs> if for no other reason that I want to, that I want one more reason to stick it to those stupid Dan Brown movies, like yeah, <laughs> these guys did it too and better. <laughs> I'm making that statement right now because I honestly have more faith in these filmmakers than I do in Ron Howard. Oh, I loved the Da Vinci Code. I did too, admittedly. <laughs> <laughs> you get my point, though. I that was taking things too seriously. This doesn't need to. Fair enough, fair enough. So, all right. Well, we picked a hell of a one to close out on. We did. Very uh, out with a bang, if you like, a bizarre yeah. bang. So cool. So, say for the spectrum, I'll put it this way. All right. If you're perfectly fine with, like, the weirder side of genre fiction or, you know, really out there sci-fi movies, if needing to take something completely seriously isn't a requirement with you, or if you're just listening to me and Carl's <laughs> talking about this shit, and you're thinking this... If, like, a sense of morbid curiosity grips you over any of the stuff <laughs> we've talked about so far, you're precisely who this movie was made for. Absolutely. So... Absolutely. There you go. That's all you yeah, need. That's, that's all, all you need. need. <laughs> all right. All right. Thank you.